the day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome to a very blustery, rainy, windy Friday night edition of WTMJ Nights. We're glad you're here. Big show planned. Oh, we always have a big show planned. Do we deliver it? You betcha. If you want to get involved, 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk text line. Old National Bank. Get old. That's how you get a hold of us. That's how you get involved. That's how you talk to Tommy. He's executive producer of the big broadcast tonight. So when you call in, be nice to him, and then you'll get to me. And if you want to text, let's do it. It's We've all had a long week. We've been bombarded by big stories, whether it's uh, the war in Israel and Palestine, whether it's the Speaker of the House, whether it's Britney Spears dancing with knives and needing a welfare check. That is the text question of the night. What news story did you pay the most attention to this week? So, in other words, what do you think was the most important news story of the week? 855-616-1620, the old National Mag Talk and text line. It was, uh, you know, every week is rough. This week just seemed, with the war, uh, the, the attack by Hamas on Israel, and then Israel's retaliation on Gaza, that that you know monopolized a lot of the news for me the one i was paying the most attention to because now i i paid a lot of attention to jerusalem and gaza but i don't you know that that affects me as a human being watching the devastation on both sides not knowing the ins and outs of the 70 plus years of war over there and and bitterness between the two countries the palestinian people and the israeli people uh i watched that and i am uh, it hurts me to see the images on both sides of that wall um it, it's it's horrible but the one that really, you know, the one that hits a little closer to home is this uh, nightmare in the House of Representatives. That's the one that I was paying the most attention to because uh, if the Republicans can't get their act together and pick a new speaker, nothing can get done. And guess what? In eh, about a month again, there's going to be a possible government shutdown. And if that one happens because nothing could get done, you got to look square at this point. You would have to look squarely at the Republicans because they knew that if they didn't have a, a line of succession for the Speaker of the House, things were going to grind to a halt. And that's kind of what they've done. And I'm watching the Congress of my country, the people who are supposed to represent us, infighting like just imbeciles. Nobody can get anything done. It's ridiculous. So to me, that was that was the story I was paying the most attention to. Um, Steve Scalise, oh, he's going to be, we met, the Republicans met behind closed doors and they decided Steve Scalise is the guy. Okay. Well, then Steve Scalise came out of that room and some of the uh, far right of the Republican Party said, you know what, yeah, we're, we've decided we're not going to back Steve Scalise. And then Steve Scalise said, fine, 
I don't need you guys anyway. I don't want to be speaker. He's done. Then Jim Jordan, the man who allegedly uh, turned a blind eye to sexual assault at Ohio State uh, and who shoes wearing a sport coat or suit jacket, he says, well, you know what? I'm going to do it. I want to be the guy. So now the Republicans are like, you know what? We're All right, Jim Jordan is the guy. Well, now other Republicans are going, no, we, no, we can't. <laughs> That's not going to work. So nothing is going to get done. And the, the part I like the best is they had taken this week off. So that's terrific. Tommy, as you were as you were being bombarded by big news this week, what did you pay the most attention to? Uh, I mean, I think it's default Israel. That's really been we, – we, I wouldn't say we're not wall-to-wall on it necessarily, but we're pretty much hourly updated on there. As you know, sure. I was on the morning news producing uh, the last couple of days. Definitely – a, a monster story in the uh, in the entire world right now right. too. So, I would say that that's probably my biggest news story of the week um, as far as our American political system. Yeah, you know, I mean that's just news every day at this point now. So I don't know right. if that's a good or a bad thing, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, it is a. This is this has been interesting uh, watching. When I say interesting, from a coverage standpoint, you know, I don't think we have to keep qualifying that it's horrible uh, what Hamas did. It's horrible for the Palestinian people who are not part of Hamas, who are now paying the price for a terrorist organization's actions. Uh, It's just, that's awful. But watching the reporters now who are in, in the war zone and... Because most of us, you know, you, you, we saw it a little during uh, Iraq, and but this is like things are happening right above these guys. And uh, yesterday, I, was it yesterday or the day before? I was watching ABC, the network news, and they were doing a live shot, and all of a sudden, sirens went off and bombs started blowing up, and they were trying to, the crew was trying to run with civilians to get into a shelter. And, you know, the reporter, one second they threw the flak jacket to the reporter, he puts on his vest, and then next here came his helmet, and it was like, you could see these guys were going, "Uh, this is what I signed up for, but wow, stuff is getting real now. So it's it's been very interesting just from that perspective. I don't, you know, I think at a certain point we don't need to see the visuals of the horror, but maybe we do. You know, we see them and it reminds us the capability of humans to inflict unbelievable harm on each other. And what good is all this going to do? I I don't know if it'll be any. So that's our text question of the night. The 414 saying the war in Gaza is uh, their biggest story. That's That's the text question of the night. What was the biggest news story for you this week? In a week that had, uh, I was hoping for some good news. You know, I, I haven't found any real, like there was no big heartwarming story this week. We had, uh, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith coming out that she was uh, has been gaslighting Will Smith forever. We had uh, Britney Spears, like I said, dancing with the knives. We had, um, let's see, was there a big a good news sports story? I don't think so. Packers lost. And... Um, How'd the Brewers do against the Grizzlies on Monday or 
Tuesday. Uh, the yeah. Bucks. Um, the Bucks. Yeah. Mm, Sorry, the Bucks. I mean, it's it, it's post. It's the preseason. No one's really. I know. Invested. It, I don't. I don't think it was story. good. I don't think it was good. Yeah. No, that would have been a good story. We don't. So we got uh, the Bucks and the Packers not uh, holding up their end to give us some news. I mean, stories. the baseball playoffs have been exciting, I guess, but yeah. no one. No one's got any. No one's got a horse in the race for that here. No, but I. I found it interesting. I saw this the other day, and I, I can't remember. It was uh, maybe Matt or you told me that whoever the last everybody who beat everybody who beat the Brewers in the playoffs yep. went on to play in the World Series. Yep, that and was it me. Looks like Ari- oh, it was you. Yep. So Arizona is going to do it again, and they swept the Dodgers. Isn't that yes, crazy how that did. works? Isn't that crazy? That is. Yep. It's at that point you go. Okay, that's when you have to resign yourself to go. All right, you know. I guess that at this point they were the better team. I mean, were... it makes I I hate that. Our, I'm of the belief that you know there's a lot of people that sometimes they'll take the side of they'll root for the team that beat them kind of thing. Oh, right? I won't do that. I I hate that take because that just makes me think, wow, like that could have been that could have been them. You know, it, it was. Right. So whenever it I see that, I always just think of heartbreak <laughs> more than anything else. See, it else. doesn't. It it. I would never root for them, but it. It takes a little bit of the sting away. It's like, all right, well, you know, obviously we don't want to lose. You want you want your team to go all the way, but there's a part of me that goes, well, at least the team that beat us didn't get knocked out right away. Right. Yeah, I you guess. Know? So, so that takes takes a little bit of the sting. It doesn't change it. I still don't want to. You know, I, I usually go for the the, the smallest market that's still left after what, be, oh. being a Milwaukee person. The smallest sure. market that's still left. Is usually the team I root for, or the team that's closest inland, furthest away from the coast. That's usually kind of how it <laughs> why goes. Why do you have? A, why do you have a coastal hatred? Oh, I have a coastal bias, a hundred percent. Because why? Well, the coasts are great. I hey, I love the Pacific Ocean. I mean, if I could live on the Pacific Ocean, I would. But it seems like professional sports would much rather the coasts be in the championship series than. The, the inland United States. I think it's the networks, not the sports leagues sure, themselves. Sure, sure. Okay, that's you a know? fair enough point. Fair enough. Because I think, listen, I think if, uh, you know, I think if the Brewers were in it, it they're always, the, it's the TV that are looking for market size. Yes, yes. You know, if you get, because they loved it when the Cubs were in it, because you got the third largest market, you got an underdog story. The curse. Uh, you know, the curse, the whole thing. Uh, but if you go to some small markets, you know, it's going to be like uh, like Tampa Bay. If they make it to the World Series, hey, baseball is happy for them, but the networks are going to go, oh, who's nobody watches baseball there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and then when I have that, it defaults to Texas now in this point, and those are two massive markets in themselves too with sure. Dallas and Houston. So I, it's a lose-lose everywhere for me, I think, <laughs> on this one. All right. Well, somebody did send in some good news. I forgot about this. <laughs> this was this morning uh, from the 414. Debbie Lazaga got rescued from the elevator. That was good news. Oh, my God. Insane story. Insane yeah, was, story. I saw the footage of her. I, saw, I was teaching, but I saw her post from, like, trapped in the... She's like, how's your Friday the 13th? I'm trapped in an elevator. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. That's she, horrifying. Did you hear she had to crawl through it? it like, no. So, yeah. So they, they sent like a mini ladder or something so she could get up to it and then had to shimmy underneath the gap that's about a foot and a half, she said, to get from the floor through the elevator space. Hold on. 
The so wait, she crawled to the she went to the roof of the elevator. So to the car. I don't think she came out the elevator. She might have went out the elevator. That's for, the perception I got was she there was a gap that was you know that size, eighteen inches, to fit through, and she had to go through that. Oh, like the doors were open eighteen inches, right? Oh, that, but I would, but I, from the top, I'd still be in there. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine the fear trying to go through it if a door drops or something, and then that's even that's. I mean, it's Final Destination oh stuff. Like, no, no I'm see, okay. This, no, at that point, you know what? Uh, punch me in, but I'm not coming to work. Yeah. I'm sitting in this elevator till they can open it up and I can walk out. Right. Just like I walked in. Yes, she had to crawl out. No way. No shot. I, I'm a, I, I am like you right now, thinking of Final Destination of just. Oh, oh no! I got the I got the willies. Uh, well, I'm glad Debbie got out. So yes, you're right. That was a good story. Two six two. Very good point. The most unacceptable story this week is the death of the uh, Milwaukee 12 year old. Jackery Robinson, um, where's the outrage for his death of this precious child? The most infuriating story is the House of Representatives fiasco. The most frightening story is the attack on Israel. Yeah, that the, the story of that, uh, that poor 12-year-old. It, it, it's hope, hopefully as the, hopefully as the um, investigation goes on, we figure out what happened. All right, we got to take a little break, and then we'll start... Uh, We'll start veering away from bad news into a more Friday state of mind on WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, glad you're with us. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. All right, right before the news, we were trying to find some good news for this week, and somebody texted in, hey, don't forget, Debbie Lazaga got out of the elevator, and... Uh, Tommy was trying to explain it. Well, we don't need Tommy to explain it, even though I appreciate his efforts. Debbie Lazaga joins us here on WTMJ Nights. Debbie, I am I am glad you escaped in one piece. It was an adventure for sure. <laughs> so, all right, walk us through it because I saw, like I said, okay. I was in school today and I saw your post. Uh, how's your Friday the thirteenth? I'm stuck in an <laughs> elevator, and I was like, oh no, this is not a good way to start the day. Oh. Comedy gold, Jerry. Comedy gold. Okay. <laughs> um, I got in uh, about, you know, maybe quarter to six, um, and I get to the elevator. It's a special elevator that's specifically for the offices at the Avenue. And uh, I got in with because you have a fob to, to fob in. So I fobbed in. Sure. I hit the button. The door closes, and I started to look out across the beautiful uh, Third Street Market Hall going, man, this space is really cool. And it stops. Just <laughs> stops. No, oh, no, no beef, no kachunk, nothing. It just stops. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't. Oh, okay. So I'm hitting all the buttons. I'm fobbing. I'm hitting the buttons. I hit the bell, ring the bell, nothing. I tried to do the little phone button, nothing. Nobody's answering. So oh, I texted no. Eric Bilstad. I go, Eric, <laughs> I'm stuck in the elevator. His response was question mark, question mark, stuck, question mark. I said, yes. <laughs> He's like, we're coming out right now. So they started to come out. They realized, what the heck are they going to do? Yeah, really. I was so going to say, are they coming they out with a pickaxe? Or nope. They took pictures of me and just knocked on the door. I'm like, I'm fine, guys. And just oh, Adam's no. like, I'll take care of traffic until you get out. Um, then they were <laughs> making phone calls, and they finally ended up um, calling the Milwaukee Fire Department. 
And those guys are great. I mean, then they ended up yeah. coming over. Uh, Steve Scafidi happened to be there early, so he's the, he let the guys in. And what, I mean, the whole thing, the lights, oh the truck, God. the whole shebang, guys with coats on. And uh, one guy comes in with a pickaxe that has a crowbar at the other end. And I'm like, okay, the pickaxe is a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> so they crowbar the door open about, you know, they, they opened it all the way. But there was basically a foot and a half from the second floor to the top of the elevator. So they oh. lowered a ladder down and I crawled through the ladder and I started pushing through and I started thinking, please don't let this thing start to fall. Because that would be a whole other horror movie altogether. How about um, it? And then they pulled me the rest of the way through. I grabbed my stuff and, you know, they go, do you guys need me for anything else? They're like, uh, no. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> okay, right, I gotta you. go. Um, I had my coffee, though. That was nice. I mean, really, it was nice. It was pretty comfortable. You okay. know, I mean, the glass. there's glass walls, so it wasn't really claustrophobic. The only right. problem I would have foreseen had I stayed in there for a lot longer would have been the having to go to the bathroom thing. But I yeah. didn't. They got me out in about forty-five minutes or so, and uh, yeah, it was God's. Oh. It was God's note to me saying, "Deb, you got to start taking the stairs." <laughs> wow. No. All right. Taking. I'm trying to. I I know the elevator. I know the whole thing. When you say they they open the doors, and yes. you had to go they out the to top of the elevator car, or yeah, no. The, the, the well, so the elevator had lowered down to almost to just about a foot and a half below so the top the roof of the elevator was a foot and a half above the opening was above the actual second floor floor okay i got you i got you oh no wow through that that would that would be that the amount of time it took to squeeze through there had to be a little (laughs) the nerve-wracking concerning a little bit but i tried (laughs) not to think about it I was All just right. like, let me just get out of here. And then finally I was like, you know, I got a little bit of junk in the trunk. So I'm thinking, mm, hey, guys, can you kind of pull me out? And they like, yank me right out. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I told Tony I would have still. baby girl. <laughs> I'd have still been in there. They're, no, they're not pulling me out through a foot and a half uh, little gap. Yeah, they gap, had so. to open the door all the way. Yeah. <laughs> that, would have, that would have not been good. Well, I'm good. Wow. Now on Monday, will you be taking that same elevator, or are you are you going to listen to the fates and take the stairs now? I will be taking the stairs now. Even though I mean, I walked past them leaving the office today, and I walked past, and the elevator was working. Sure, so I looked it was. At it going, you son of a biscuit! Oh, this is just a salt in the wound. How dare you work? <laughs> in front well, of I'm me. glad you're okay. Everybody was excited that you made it out. It is a uh, it is comedy gold. So thank you for sharing it, it with us. <laughs> thank you for sharing <laughs> it. Pleasure. Have a nice weekend. Stay in wide open spaces, Debbie. You betcha. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, that's Debbie Lazaga. She's out of the elevator. We've got to do this. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank Talk text line. That's how you get a hold of us. Oh, my goodness. It is Friday, which is excellent. Friday the 13th. Ooh. I don't know if you're superstitious or not. Um, if you are, I'd love to hear your uh, your superstitions at the old National Bank Talk and text line, 855-616-1620. Uh, so Friday the 13th, people believe it can be unlucky. People believe there's, you know, it's haunted. Of course, I was on the lookout all day for people in hockey masks. 
Uh, I didn't go to a lake. I did not have, uh, I didn't smoke or do drugs or have, uh, you know, uh, sex out of wedlock as a teenager. None of that because I wanted to survive the day. But, um, so why is Friday the 13th so scary? That's the how did How did Friday the 13th get the bad rap that it did? Uh, one explanation, according to quote-unquote experts, is that uh, Friday and the number 13 have violent historical connections to Christianity. Uh, it was a Friday when Jesus was crucified, and ever since, the day has been associated with a, quote, general ill omen, uh, according to a history professor at Iowa State University. He specializes in the origins of superstitions. In the Middle Ages, weddings were not held on Fridays, and it was also not a day someone would set out on a journey. And now we all take off on Fridays. We all head out of town if we can. Uh, Friday also unlucky in medieval times because it was Hangman's Day. Yes, uh, there's a lot going on on Fridays. So Friday the 13th doesn't happen too often, you know that. The majority of years, like 2023, we have two Friday the 13ths. But get ready, because in 2026, we're going to have um, three in some years, so three in 2026. Do you fear the number 13? Tommy, I was going to try to pronounce this phobia. It's uh, triskaidekaphobia. That's the fear of the number 13. Okay, yeah, I get the Latin origins of that with try, sure and, try and deck. For, and phobia? Yeah, phobia. Yep, fear. Okay. okay. So um, that's a long one. Why would I, why, why, I don't know why you would fear the number 13. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of superstition. I, I'm not a... I, I, I You're just a more think, rational, science-based human being. Well, no, because I would I would say faith is like I can get convinced on like you know things just happen that are going to happen kind of thing. Um, but I do also believe in like creating your own luck, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you can create your luck. Uh, definitely, you can put yourself in the right position. Uh, be prepared for when an opportunity presents itself. That's kind of creating your own luck. Right. Yeah. Being ready to take advantage of a situation and uh, monopolize on it. That is it. I uh, The 13 thing, I don't get. Um, they say the number 13 is associated with bad luck since it's believed that Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, is was the 13th person to attend the Last Supper. Uh, we're going back a long way for this kind of stuff. And, well, I guess that there were no references to Friday the 13th before the 19th century. I'm not... I don't really... I don't think I have any phobias per se. Ooh, I, I definitely do. Cla I get claustrophobia, I think, probably, only because of my size. Like, I get antsy. I, I can't sleep in a sleeping Yeah, bag. sure. I, I'm not great with heights. Um, All right, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, okay. I, I wouldn't skydive kind of thing, but I can go on a ladder, you know, or something along those lines. But So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a true fear of heights, but, I, you know, I'm not going to do bungee jumping and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't have, I don't like being on a ladder. And again, it's because of my size and mass and being on a ladder. But I don't mind being high, you know, somewhere like, oh, like you can work on the 15th floor of a building. Sure, right. Or I can stand, when we went to Ireland, I can be on top of these castles and I can be on these cliffs yeah. and I can stand up there and I have absolutely no problem being up there. I, when I was in college, 
I worked for a contractor, and I had to do a lot of work on scaffolding that we put together ourselves. And it was very, very traumatizing because the scaffolding, you know, you're just throwing these pieces together and throwing a board on them, and they moved and they swear. And I, so that I, I don't like it, but I could go up there. I, I could go up on the roof if I needed to. I, I put on um, a brave face for rodents too. If I'm with yeah. someone, okay, like I'll, I'll overcome it by myself. If a mouse or a rat ran in front of me, I, I'm a softy. I can't do it. Oh, I'll let out a yelp. Oh, if, you know, God. If a rat, if a rat, we were. <laughs> Not too long ago, we had gone. Uh, we'd gone to some event, and, or a ba- the baseball game. We had gone to the Sox game, and we were going to go have a breaded steak sandwich afterwards, not too far from the ballpark. Sure. And as we pulled into the lot where they, it's it's under the expressway, and it's just gravel. It's not like a paved lot. And a giant rat ran in front of the car. No. Now I didn't want to see the rat. I, you know, drove a little ways down and parked somewhere else, but. Um, I don't. I don't. Phobia is where it's paralyzing. Right. Like, there are people who have a fear of Friday the Thirteenth. This one's much harder to pr- pronounce. It's paraskevidikatriophobia. Nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. I nailed think it. so too. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. But that's a fear of. Fr- but again, that's. And I know some phobias and fears are irrational, and you can't really, you know, explain them away. Like that one, that and fearing the number 13, I don't quite understand. No, no, it not just, for me. Yeah, it's, uh, and superstitions, uh, somebody from the 414, I'm not superstitious at all. I just adopted two black cats. Peter says, I often sat in row 13 on an aircraft because it was an exit row on many of my flights, mm. and I never had a bad experience in over 40 years of frequent flying. I, I grew up in Isn't an that Irish kind household. of weird that the safety row like is the 13th 13. row? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that kind of adds say. up weird. And they were probably figuring that people weren't going to sit in it. Yeah, I guess. I, oh, I would love that. Well, they always ask. The they always ask time. people, like, are you okay with sitting in this row right here kind of thing, right? Yeah, and it's always people who got on the plane first and they're tiny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these people aren't going to save us. <laughs> you know, plus they don't need the extra leg room. Get out of there. Let guy, let big guys like me and Tommy have the exit row because, one, we need a little more space. And, two, we're taking that door out no problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're getting off this plane if I'm in the exit row. Don't worry about it. But, you know, you got you to, gotta, you know, some 80-year-old guy who can barely walk. He's, he's sitting in the exit oh. row. My confidence drops. And, and please, if you're an 80-year-old man, I love you. I don't want you in the exit row. Yeah, there's two so different much, things. too many frail people in the exit yeah. row always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should you should have to do curls. If you're gonna sit in the exit row, they should have a fifty pound barbell. And you should have to do three <laughs> curls. Imagine your seat with like a leg curl press on right. it, like where you're just up and down all the way. Because you've got to be able to lift that door. Yeah. You just gotta get so under if it. You can, oh, I can't. Oh, if you have trouble unlatching your seat back tray, you can't open the door. <laughs> Stop it! I don't. I don't. No, you got to get out of there. You got to. You got somebody with an oxygen tank and a walker sitting in the exit row. Please, you're the person we need to save. Sit in a row in front of it or a row in back of it, and I guarantee I'll reach over and pull your scrawny bag of bones out the door when we're going off. You'll be okay. But I can't trust that you'd do the same for me. 
Well, that's, just wouldn't have the ability. that's at the point where you just, you know, it's kind of everyone for themselves, and you, you get that door open no matter what, right? Yeah, even if I have to use them as a right. uh, battering ram. Just, just go through them, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, if, I, if I could use them to open the door, then, you know, we're all getting out. Peter says he's built like me, so he was worthy of the seat. Well, you no, I, I had no doubt, Peter. Uh, we were just, you know, theorizing of other, many times that I've been on a plane, and I'm like, this is, this is going to go bad. If, they, if, things go, if things go south, I'm going to I'm have to figure another way to get out of this plane. But thankfully it hasn't. Um, all right, we'll talk a little bit more about superstition. we got a lot to cover, but we got to do this first. It's WTMJ Nights. It's that it's news time on WTMJ. Friday the 13th. Oh, my goodness. Time to be wary of our superstitions. I started to tell you, I grew up in an Irish household, and the Irish, lo- oh, Irish love a superstition. My dad was very superstitious. Like, if he left the house and forgot something, he couldn't just run back in, grab it, and leave. He would have to sit down on the stairs and count to 10. And he did it my entire life. Um, the entire time I knew my dad, until uh, he passed away, it didn't matter if it was his keys, it didn't matter if it was he was supposed to take something with him and he forgot whatever it was. If he forgot it and had to come back, he had to sit down and count to 10. He also believed that, uh, and a lot of people believe this one, that if a bird gets in your house, it goes two ways. It's either a sign that somebody is going to die, or it's someone who died that is coming to visit you. Because I had to call him one time, uh, we got a bird in the basement of our house somehow, and I called him and he freaked out. And he was almost, he was like, no help. Cause he was like, that's not a good sign. Somebody's going to die. I can't, I, we, I, I was like, all right, dad, forget it. I'll, I'll take care of it myself. And for me, I don't know if I, like, I have one superstition that I do adhere to. Like I won't put a hat on a bed cause that's supposed to be bad luck. So I don't put a hat on a bed. Um, I don't walk under ladders just cause I'm very tall and it's dumb to walk under a ladder, but I don't panic if a uh, black cat runs across my path. And I don't really, like, I. it's funny, I don't have the superstition about forgetting stuff, but anytime I forget something and come back into the house, I think about my dad and his superstition. So maybe, so it's in there, it's ingrained in there somewhere. But, uh, so whatever, whatever you need to do. I do knock on wood, though. Is that a superstition? Uh, I would say, yeah. All right, well, then I do knock on wood. So I knock on wood, and I don't put a hat on the bed. I'm crippled with anxiety, Tommy. It sounds like it. Jeez, you you have the universe control your life out here. I mean, I know. It's all irrational. But I'll tell you who has it worse. A group of fourth graders in Florida, and I'll tell you why after this on WTMJ Nights. To my surprise. He did the mash. Oh, the the monster mash. Yes, Halloween is coming. It is October 13th, Friday the 13th. Uh, we were talking about, you know, Tommy was joking. I was joking about me being terrified by the world around us. Well, a fourth grade class in Florida got terrified today because, uh, well, their teacher was stupid. Let me just say that. You know I teach elementary school, and uh, I've I've learned that kids, kids can be very skittish. Some kids... 
I'm amazed what they watch. They'll come up, Mr. Nooner, did you watch Squid Games? Did you see Friday the 13th? Did you see this? Did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm an old man. What are you doing watching this? You're seven. Well, uh, I, I had never heard of this movie. But uh, fourth grade teacher in Florida is under fire after accidentally showing students the horror version of Winnie the Pooh. Oh Tommy, did you know there was a horror version of Winnie the Pooh? Um, I, I think I, I haven't seen it, but I, I think I've heard of this. Yes. Well, I, you know, first of all, Winnie the Pooh doesn't wear pants, so that's horror movie in itself. Yes. Yes, right there. You don't want to, you know, be careful, children. So the teacher showed the film Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. Okay, uh, right there. Even if I didn't know the movie, I'm going to go, in all my years of reading Winnie the Pooh and watching Winnie the Pooh, there was never an episode I remember being called Blood and Honey. <laughs> never got that version, no. Yeah, it was like, oh, uh, A.A. Milne is never, never you know what? what? This is what we got to do. How? So, yes, it tells the story of a, quote, once lovable honey-obsessed bear who, along with Piglet, develops a seething hatred for humanity and goes on a feature-length killing spree oh during which they slay a group of female university students. I may have to watch that tonight. <laughs> is, what, what streaming service is it on? I don't know. Uh, it's Well, let's look. <laughs> we, we could movie uh, review this for Halloween. There it is, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Movie 2023. Oh, my God. It's, oh, it's terrifying. Uh, who's in it? Nobody nobody uh, worth knowing. Nobody that we know, anyway. Uh, you can watch now on Peacock for free. Apple TV for a dollar. Okay. I have a dollar. I think I have Peacock, I too, so. Yeah. That'll be all right. That'll be fun. But it's two hours. How do you stretch that into two hours? Well, we're going to find out. I think we'll move we your review. We are going to find out. Yeah. Oh my God! The uh, the the poster is a bear holding a skull. <laughs> like, oh, Winnie, Winnie, Winnie! So, all right. So, first of all, just the title is going to tip it off. But then uh, the teacher continued to show the movie even after some of the kids said they were disturbed by it, which probably was in the first twenty eight seconds. The principal says the students have been offered counseling to help them get oh over the my trauma. God. And, and I laugh. I don't laugh. I laugh at the stupidity of the teacher. Correct. I don't laugh. The, the kids, fourth graders, they can still be really scared by stuff. And this is, oh, oh, my goodness. All right. We'll watch it over the weekend, and we'll talk about it on Monday. We'll review it. Well, I won't be here till Friday. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, I actually right. won't well, see you oh, at good. all then, next week. That gives me a couple That gives me a couple extra, uh, couple extra days. I mean, feel free to watch it when you want, but we could... Do we have oh, something that's right, close I'm to going next weekend? What about October thirtieth? We could do it for a couple movies or something if we haven't seen them. I think we'll have a show then, right? We have a show. Uh, that'd be on a thirtieth. That'd be a Friday. We'll have a show on no. Halloween. Mm. We'll get it figured out. Okay, all we right. Could, we could always touch base. Yeah, we could, we I can call notes. and I'll come in. It doesn't matter because it is. Uh, it is very scary. The hundred acre wood sign is painted in blood. It's. Uh, yeah, I could even just good. come in on Monday, do a segment, <laughs> get out of here if we need to. Because now I want to watch it too. Yeah, I've got to watch the trailers. I'm going to watch the trailers during the news, which we have to get to. And at the other side of the news, it's at the breweries. We welcome the head brewer and owner from 1840 Brewing Company. We'll get to that after this. WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. 
This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Oh, this little refrain should help me explain as a matter of fact, I like beer. Welcome to another edition of At the Breweries. Give me a cake of beer. Pull up a bar stool and get ready to join the keg conversation. A shark on whiskey is mighty risky. A shark on beer is a beer engineer. Your one-stop shop for brews in the news is on tap. Beer! More beer! And more beer! Here's At the Breweries with Brian Noonan. It is always a good time to talk beer. Friday nights just seem to fit even better. And I am very excited to welcome Kyle Vetter to At the Breweries. He is the owner and the brewer at 1840 Brewing Company right here in Milwaukee. They are in Bayview. Uh, Kyle, thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right, so I'm not going to bury the lead. This is big news. 1840 uh, Brewing won a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival. For people who don't know what that is, how big a deal is that for a brewery to win a gold at the Great American Beer Festival? Oh, it's huge, Brian. Um, It is the longest running and one of the largest, I believe the largest beer competition in the country. And so um, we're we're super honored to bring home a medal and uh, not only that, but a gold medal. It's really amazing. That is amazing. So you you wanted, if people don't know, at these beer festivals, there's a bunch of different categories. And you guys at 1840 won it for fruited wood and barrel-aged sour. That was the category that you won in. Tell us about the beer that won. Uh, so the beer is called I Don't Want to Wait. And it was uh, it's a Belgian-style beer, so it's kind of modeled after a Belgian creek. Um, which is a cherry beer. So it's okay. as the category describes, it's aged and fermented in wood barrels, and then cherries um, get get their time with the beer as well. So it goes into barrels, then it ages on the cherries, and then we uh, naturally carbonate the beer in the bottle. Uh, the whole process in this particular case took us about three years, actually, to make Whoa. the beer. And uh, so it's, it's really a labor of love, and it's really special to be recognized. That that seems like an inordinate amount of time to to brew <laughs> one particular beer, um, but I know, and we'll talk about this a little more later. But eighteen forty brewing, uh, you, one of your slogans is "slow beer sold here." So right. three years, yeah, three years seems beer. pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as slow as it gets. Yeah, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of breweries uh, anywhere really who are making beers that take three years to make. It's a very old, traditional Belgian way of making beer where you really let the beer mature in an oak barrel for an extended period of time. And it's something that we love to do. I mean, we make all the beers at 1840. We make quick beers, you know, the beers you're used to seeing, IPA, lager, um, you know, all, all kinds of different things. We have actually 19 different products available at our tap room right now. Um, but a lot of the things that we focus on are these slow-aged, beers that take a long time to mature that are really traditional and classic. And um, this is one of them. What kind of base is the beer for I Don't Want to Wait? What do you, so you, you talked about adding the cherries and putting it in the oak barrels. 
What's the base beer? Is it a stout? Is it uh, some sort of lager? Uh, it's what a Saison. Yeah, it's oh, another okay. Belgian style, so it's a, a, a Saison. So Saison's one of those beers that can be a lot of different things. It can be light, it can be dark, it can be um, brown, you know, because the time period where the style was created, it was really these farmers in Belgium and France who were um, making different styles of beer, but they all sort of fit into a similar flavor profile, even though they might be darker or lighter. So for us, um, Saison tends to lend to be on the light side. It has a lot of yeast-driven flavors, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what you think of when you think of a Belgian beer. Okay. And what, the oak barrel, was it, was it a bourbon barrel? What, what sort of, what had been in the barrel before, or had anything been in the barrel before? Yeah, actually, this is our most storied barrel, if you will. This was a barrel that at one point was a wine barrel. Uh, it is now, it, this is a 500 liter barrel. So oh this God. is not like your bourbon barrel. Yeah, five, this is about, um, you know, uh, four and a half, five barrels of beer. And when we say barrels, <laughs> we mean volume. And so that's about 10 kegs worth of beer fit into this one oak barrel. Um, so at one point, it had held wine. And then actually a, a, another brewery in Colorado uh, bought it, made a bunch of beers in it, and then sold it to me. And then we have made uh, several beers in it. And I Don't Want to Wait was actually the third beer that went through this barrel. Um, it's the only barrel we've kept for our entire existence as a brewery in 1840. It's been around now for six years. So uh, pretty special barrel we call it the mothership because it's been with us the whole time and um we continue to make beers that that go through this one very very large oak barrel do the does the original wine do is that still in the wood or has the has the characteristics of all the beers that have been stored in that barrel have they overtaken the the wood and what's gonna how it's going to affect what you put in there next yeah, the, the wine characteristics are gone. In fact, a lot of the tannins and the other things that you get from young wood are gone. And really, it's more of a storage vessel, and um, it is contributing more yeast flavors. So since we've made so many beers in there, we've put a lot of different yeast and bacteria blends in and out of this barrel. And so that is actually, there's, there's a lot of yeast and bacteria living in the wood of the barrel. And that's actually contributing more flavor than the wine or any of the beers that were in there before. How did you decide, did you know when you started making I Don't Want to Wait that this was going to be something that you were going to enter in the Great American Beer Fest? Or was it something you were brewing and you were like, well, we're, we're going to brew this because we want to. And I know the your customers loved it because you were, it went pretty quick. Uh what was the plan when you started this three-year odyssey? Well, you know, in this particular case, we started with just, hey, we're going to put a beer in this barrel, and we're going to let it mature, and we're going to see kind of what we think of it over time. And we got to a point in time, about um, two and a half years into its maturation in the barrel, where we said, this beer is tasting super balanced. It has uh, a beautiful acidity. It has a beautiful... Um, earthiness and funk from the, the, the wild yeast. Um, it's dry, but it has body. It really just was a, a very complete sour beer. And so we knew it was going to take fruit really well. So we tasted it. We said, this beer is ready for fruit. And so we took it out of the barrel, went and got some Montmorency cherries from Door County, 
and put them into a stainless steel tank together. And um, we kind of let the beer dictate that. Like we, we, we basically taste it and said, oh, this is really, really good. And it would be great by itself. But I think if we added fruit to it, it could take it to the next level. Okay. And then we went a little crazy. We actually added four and a half pounds of Door County cherries per gallon of beer. So we had to put it into a much larger tank because mm-hmm. not only do we have those 10 kegs worth of beer, we also have four and a half pounds of cherries per gallon then, um, you know, taking up space in this tank. So then we let that sit for another five months until the cherry flavor had been all absorbed and then it was ready for packaging. That is, that's amazing. Now, what, why did cherries get the nod rather than a different type of fruit? Did they just, uh, you just knew when you tasted the Saison the, that it was, that it was a cherry move? You know, it really came down to, okay, this beer is ready. What fruit around us that we have access to that's fresh and ripe is available. Oh, and it okay. was, it was perfect peak cherry season in Door County. So we reached out to a couple of farmers. We were looking for Montmorency cherries because they're, they're just a specific type of tart cherry that I, I know from trying other uh, beers from around the country and the world that they work well in beer. And so we reached out to a couple of farmers in, in Door County. We were able to find some. And so it was really, it was sort of a time and a place thing. It was like the beer is ready. What can we get? And cherries were, were the answer. Well, you had a lot of luck with cherries over the summer. Not only did you win the gold at the Great American Beer Fest for uh, I Don't Want to Wait with the cherries, you had some uh, other luck with another beer with your cherries. We sure did, and that's what's actually cool about it. It's the same cherries. So when I Don't Want to Wait, um, after that five months on the cherries was ready, we transferred the beer out of that tank. And, but then instead of just taking those cherries and throwing them away, we figured, hey, there's probably still some life in here because we use so many cherries. Yeah. Let's see what happens. This is a, a wine technique to, to use fruit again. Um, and let's see what happens if we take some more delicious barrel fermented and aged beer that's ready to go and put it in with these cherries that have already been used. And that resulted in a beer my wife named called Mariah Karaoke. And <laughs> you're right, that also won a gold medal. So pretty special. Yeah, you guys are riding high. Kyle Vetter is my guest. He's the owner and brewer of 1840 Brewing Company. You can go to 1840brewing.com to get all the information. They are located at 342 East Ward Street in Milwaukee. Uh, Kyle, we're going to take a quick break. Then I want to come back, and uh, I want to get deeper into 1840 in the slow beer process and uh, how you came to be in this life of beer. It is at the breweries. It is WTMJ Nights. It is WTMJ Nights. It is at the breweries. Kyle Vetter is my guest tonight. He's the owner and the head brewer at 1840 Brewing Company in Bayview. Uh, You can go to 1840brewing.com. That's where you get all the information. Kyle, nobody, nobody is born, in my opinion, being a brewer. Most brewers come from somewhere else. What did you do before you were brought to this life of being a a brewery owner? You know, I, um, I started home brewing is really what brought me into beer. Um, well, first of all, I grew up in, in Milwaukee area, you know, so I think that's why, uh, driving by, uh, the Liney's facility and the, the smelling what everybody told me was the, the Miller brewery when it was probably actually the red star yeast lab, uh, growing, you know, um, 
uh, when I was young. But anyway, I started homebrewing in college and kind of got the bug, got a job at the brewery in my town um, in Durango, Colorado, when I was about three months after I turned 21 and um, have continued to brew ever since. I um, ended up, like later in my career, uh, I was the barrel manager and um, a lead brewer at Aspen Brewing Company in Aspen, Colorado. And then we decided, hey, you know, there's a lot of cool things going on in, in Colorado beer scene. These things aren't happening in Milwaukee. Um, you know, let's take a leap. Let's try to create some opportunity here for our family and show some people in Milwaukee the wild world of beer that, you know, really just wasn't being shown. It's just, it was just so kind of traditional here in Milwaukee. And we wanted to kind of come and, and, and blow some minds with the different types of flavors that you can create in beer. When you opened in 2017, what were some of those beers that you were hoping that would expand people's knowledge and appreciation of beer, but also, you know, you wanted them to drink them? Right. Well, that, you know, and that's the, the, the tightrope you have to walk. And we started with um, a Goza, which is a traditional German-style sour beer, um, a wheat beer. We started with a Beer de Garde, which is a brown ale, basically, another Belgian-style beer. Um, and we started with the Saison. So, um, you know, we, we really started with very, very classic styles. Every single one of them had spent its entire aging time and maturation time in oak barrels. It only went into a stainless steel tank to be bottled. So we started off very, very traditional and released these barrel fermented or barrel aged beers um, on a schedule of once a month. Our, our bar was only open once a month when we first opened. Oh, wow. Okay. And so and then we kind of went from there. And how would obviously yeah. people obviously re people reacted favorably because you know now you're on year six. W at at first, was there a learning curve with people who would come into the bar? Was it was it incumbent upon you to more or less educate and not in a beer snobby kind of way, but if people haven't experienced these kind of beers, there's going to be some questions. So how did you how did you go about? telling people, well, yes, if you drink this, that's great, but I think you might like this style too. You know, and that's just a huge a part of what we realized was our job was educating our customers on why our beers were special and uh, why that, oh, if you're a red wine drinker, you're going to love our beers. Or, oh, you know, anyone who says, I don't like X, Y, and Z, but I drink this, usually because we make such a wide array of products, we can find something that we make that um, is going to fit their palate. And now, you know, we, we started off super hyper-focused on only beer, barrel-aged beers, and we still make those. And that's a huge passion of ours. But I should right. mention that now we make everything. We always have something light, dark, hoppy, sour, and fruity available. And, um, you know, it's really just like no matter what kind of a drinker you are, chances are we can find something that's going to, fit your needs and, and your palate. And our staff is super well trained on educating people on, um, you know, the flavors that they might expect to find. And um, people usually come in and they leave very satisfied. Like, wow, that was cool. I tried something new and I loved it. Well, yeah, you, I'm looking at the menu at 1840 Brewing Company and you've got, you know, people here barrel aged and they're, they automatically start to think, oh, these beers are going to be 
10, 11, higher percent ABV, and you have some of those in the bottles. But then on tap, you've got, as you said, every kind of style. If people like IPAs, Dark Milds, Fest Beer, Oktoberfest, you've got the Saisons in there. And those are all those are all just uh, a nice, easy ABV, so you can go in, enjoy a couple, and try out some different things. As you look toward, you know, the the mentality that you have and the philosophy you have of doing these traditional styles, how is that meshing with some of the trends that you see in the brewing industry? So we always want to keep a pulse on what, what's trending in the industry. And, um, you know, if, if something seems worth a, um, checking out, we'll do that and we'll do it well. Um, so as you noticed uh, on our menu, we have an English dark mild. I mean, that's not a very hot style. But we also have, <laughs> have a um, double New England IPA called the Cashmere Sweater Hash Cash, um, and that's cutting edge. That is made with hop hash, which is a byproduct of the hop pelletization process. Oh. And um, you know, so we really we really run the gamut. And so we're and we also have a we have a peanut butter and jelly beer available right now. Uh, it tastes oh, like a peanut good. butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. So we really we 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 follow the trends. And we stick to tradition all at the same time. Well, you must be doing something right because you got two gold medals this summer, and uh, people are talking about 1840 brewing. It is a uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Do you have anything on the horizon that you want to uh, get people excited about? Anything coming out in the next month or so? Oh yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing about what we do is we always release a new beer at the minimum one every week. There's always something to pay attention to. Oh, man. Um, so follow, follow us on 1840brewing.com or any of the social media sites. We're on there. And then the big thing I want to talk about is later this fall, um, timeline still TBD because of construction, but we are going to be opening a second tap room in West Bend. Congratulations. Very nice. So we will Thanks, keep, keep watching 1840brewing.com. Follow 1840brewing on the socials. This is great. Kyle, it was a pleasure talking to you. I hope we can do it again soon. Congratulations on the success this summer. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you, Brian. My pleasure. We'll talk again. That's Kyle Vetter, owner and brewer at 1840 Brewing Company, 1840brewing.com. Let's do this. Then it's news time on WTMJ. I'm thinking. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Glad you're with us. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk text line. A lot of discussion over the last couple years of people, you know, uh, still wanting to work remotely, uh, bosses wanting you to come back to work. This came out uh, the other day. It's a survey from Owl Labs. It's uh, called State of the Work, State of Work, rather, and... I don't know, but the report finds that employees are spending about $51 a day working at the office. That seems very high to me. I it's got to it's got to have something to do with where you work. Tommy, what do you what do you pay to come into work every day? How much you spend being at work? Well, my commute is 10 minutes. Okay. So I don't know, what is that? Probably 50 cents worth of gas. Maybe. And, Maybe a couple bucks round trip. Um, parking's free. Parking's park free. Parking, get free parking. Nice. I mean, yeah, that that's about it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm spending much more money than that. No, I don't. Because for me, it's the gas. 
because I have to come a little further when I come in. Right. Uh, but parking is free, which is a bonus. I love that. Uh, we have a coffee machine. Right. Makes a pretty makes a pretty nice cafe mocha. I got to be honest. Oh yeah, Enjoy I love that. Um, but here's what it, so. They say 66% of U.S. employees who return to the office to work five days a week or full-time spend an average of $51 every workday. Um, according to the study's CEO, there's no question about whether working in person is wildly more expensive today than it was before the pandemic. Yes, prices on everything have gone up, so I can see if you, were, if you weren't spending as much before, you're gonna, we're all spending more on everything now. So it says working in the office costs pet owners, too, an extra $20 a day because you, I guess you have to pay for a dog walker or something, unless you got a dog like mine who is so lazy he could go for a day and a half and never have to go outside and never have an accident just because he's, you know, he'd rather lay on the couch and look out the window. The report also states that 49% of workers feel it's easier to maintain a work-life balance with a remote job while 31% believe it's easier with a hybrid and only 20% at the office. 855-616-1620. If you've gone back to the... If over the pandemic you were working at home and now you've gone back, are you finding that you're paying a lot more? Now, I know my wife commutes to work uh, three days a week, so she's hybrid. She works from home Monday, Tuesday, and then she commutes the other days. So... It's either gas, which was an expense we didn't have when she was working at home, or she has to buy a monthly train ticket. She also has to pay for parking. So here's how it breaks down. Um, the report found that employees working at the office, as I mentioned, 51. This is how the 51 breaks down. $14 for the commute, $8 for parking, $13 for breakfast and coffee, and $16 for lunch. Well, right there, that's $29 you don't have to spend. Correct. That's that's, that's what I was going to ask. This is all yeah, like stop it. going out of your way to get stuff. Right. right. Yeah. I, come on. I brown bag it to uh, I bring my own coffee. Every once in a while, like maybe once every two or three months, I'll think to myself, you know what I'm going to do this morning on the way to school? I'm going to swing through McDonald's. And then and I'll get myself a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. But mostly, I eat my breakfast at home. I take my coffee with me. So I'm not paying anything for breakfast other than the groceries I already brought for the house. Lunch, I bring my lunch every day. So I'm paying for gas. And even, you know, sometimes it's more, you know, if I, if I drive, if I'm at the studio, maybe we get out of the show 8 or 9 o'clock, I'll stop, I'll get something to eat on the way home. But, okay, that's not every day. But yeah, when you're when you're looking at $29 a day just for food, you need to stop complaining. If you want to go if you want to have lunch, you know, once a week, that's all right. For a while we were doing Friday lunches, you know, we'd order Jimmy John's or something, but then then I look at it I'd go 18 bucks. Well, I could do it, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks, but I don't want to spend that much money. So, it's while people are spending more, I think the I think what you can't skimp on is your commute. Your commute's going to cost you whatever it is. If you if you drive, if you take a train, you got to pay for your commute. Okay? Then if you have to pay for parking, that's that's a cost that you have to absorb yourself. Now, I know some places will, you know, uh, sometimes my wife they they subsidize parking 
up to a certain point. They'll go, all right, here's a here's X amount of money for the parking toward your parking for the month, or here's X amount toward the train ticket. And I'll tell you, the best thing uh, about our new office spaces is, is that they were able to hook us up with parking. You know, that is um, that's key. If you work in any sort of urban area and you've got parking, thank your employer because it works out nice. Plus, we got that nice garage. Plus, I hear, I hear the elevators are great. That's what <laughs> that's what Debbie Lazica tells me. The elevators are top notch. You get a nice little workout every time you go through them. <laughs> until like till one day when they cut you in half. <laughs> this is no way I'm even fitting through the spot she crawled through. I mean, no, well, I, I no, no. God bless her. I'm glad she's all right because that could have. Uh, a nightmare. All right. So that's what that's what we're spending money on. I don't know. Um, oh, see? Now, James is James is taunting us, Tommy. James is telling us that Max Sabbath is at Turner Hall on Monday. We know. we've Tommy has been working so hard to we'll, try to get... Uh, we'll, we'll update in the 8 o'clock hour. All right. We'll, okay. We'll that's perfect. The eight o'clock we'll hour. update then. All right. Let's take a quick break. And then, uh, once again, the fact that... Um, uh, <laughs> The fact that people are allowed to have children and do whatever they want with them, just, I have to shake my head. Maybe I'm just an old man. We'll see. We'll talk about that more after this. WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're talking about fish fries off the air. We'll get into, uh, we'll get into, Tommy has a couple uh, drive through window stories. We're going to do those after 8 o'clock. Uh, We've talked about baby names on here before because lists come out with the most popular baby name and, you know, the most unusual baby names. And uh, a new list just came out. And, you know, who knows? Uh, It's from a baby naming site, Nameberry. And I I always feel like I must judge parents who name their children things that are very, very unusual because it's not about the kid it's about uh, you as a parent trying to feel very special about yourself like thomas that's a that's a, a very nice solid name brian i think is a good name uh one of my brothers is named kieran which at the time was very very unusual it's a very uh, irish name it is a very irish name uh it was the parish that we belong to and my parents liked it and at that point Everybody was like, when he was when he was little, people couldn't pronounce it. They'd never heard it. Now, Kieran is pretty, pretty common, you know, or more, co- much more common than it was. But then my other brothers have quote unquote, you know, regular names, I guess. So uh, to see this, the the name Arrow, A E R O, meaning of the sky, is expected to. Take flight for babies in 2024. Ew. These are, they are predicting that these are going to be the hot names. That they're they're going for more uh, more atmospheric feel next year. So uh, some of these I can't even pronounce. So I'm praying that uh, this does not really catch on because I can only imagine the teachers when they get the you know when kids come to kindergarten and they get the class list and they go airy. A-I-R-E, which I'm sure is just air, but you got to throw that E on to be fancy. That's one that's, uh, that is predicted to be popular. Cielo? C-I-E-L-O. How would you pronounce that, Tommy? 
Uh, cello. 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 <laughs> I think the other one's Ari, isn't it? Ari? That would be my Ari. guess. The only reason I went with Ari is because they went with atmospheric. Mm. So I was like, oh, air. And then there was Aero, A-E-R-O. Yeah, which that's, was that's a weird name. A lot. How about ice? That's on the list. Like vanilla? Yeah. Word to your mother. Or I, every, like ice tea. I, I ice tea is his real name, right? Uh, <laughs> ice tea? Yes. This is just ice. I would, every time I read the uh, attendance list, I would, okay, uh, when, when, if you hear your name, say here. <laughs> ice, ice, I'm here. Word to your mother. Like, Every day, what? Till, they, till they call me into the office. Oh my God, uh, Mr. Noonan, are you sending a word to Ice's mother? Yeah, every day. This is uh, this is. Uh, I, I can't believe these names are real on this list. Some of them. Well, I you know what? I just read them. I don't make them up. Lumi. I'm guessing that's like luminate, like light. Like yeah, illumination. God. Followed by lighting. If oh, you my, name your kid Lightning, no, I'm not. coming to your house, and I'm headbutting you in the throat. <laughs> you know my child, Lighting. I don't even know if that's a boy or girl name. Maybe it's a, a unisex, probably. What? Lighting. That Lighting. is not a real name. <laughs> Tommy, you're a young man. Someday you may uh, meet the woman of your dreams and have a family. And one day you'll look down on a little bundle of joy, and you'll be tasked with one of the most important decisions you and your partner will make, naming your child. And they might just light up your life, so you will say, oh, I will name you Lighting. I'm going to say it's over if Lighting is a, is a suggestion. <laughs> like that's just that's get, it. Just, just put the kid up for adoption? Like, no, not, not going down with that. I, I don't yeah. even know who I could ask to be a godparent to the, the child named Lighting. Um, well, thankfully, your last name is not Fixture. Yeah, so Lighting Wurtz doesn't really flow <laughs> off either. Lighting Wurtz. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. Why for are that. they dark? No. All right. So, all right. We'll take lighting away. L lighting's off the list. How about Rain? I've heard the name Rain at least. I have had. I know someone whose daughter. It's her middle name is Rain. So Rain. I've heard. Like you said, I've heard that before. Sky. We've all heard Sky. Heard sky. I get it. Soleil. The only one I know is Punky Brewster, Soleil Moon Fry. Like Taco John's Potato Soleil's? Uh, S-O-L-E-I-L, -L, yes. <laughs> I think so. No, I, I'm not a fan of that one either. All right, because you would always look at your child and think they were a potato? I, I mean, it's just a play on <laughs> Olay's, but... <laughs> Olay's. Snow. Uh, no, you can't name your child Snow That's either. Storm. Unless your child comes out of the womb as a UFC fighter. Or like an X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you just, can go with Storm. Right. Yes, when your daughter is when your daughter is born, if you're gonna name her Storm, first you gotta spin her around really fast. And if a tornado forms, that's a good name. If they have Keep like it. white hair always, I could see Storm. Yes. Yeah. And you know, beams come out of their eyes to make mm -hmm. lightning. Then please, by all means, you have my blessing. Name your child Storm. Uh, and the last one? Zephyr. What? Zephyr Wurtz. That's such a terrible name. Is, yeah. Isn't that is that a YR at the end? Of course it's a YR. Yeah, sure. That's, Why I've, wouldn't it be? I've seen... That's like a like a character or something. It's like a... It's a blimp. It's a dirigible. 
It's I, the Hindenburg. Yeah. See, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not with that either. It is uh, this. It, it's according to the per- people who put this together. Today's parents are fixated on sending the right message with the names they choose. What is the message with some of these well, names? Whatever happened to James? Like what? Yeah. what you know, or Susan, <laughs> right. Abigail. Right. You know, Don, you know, something. I mean, mine, I was named Brian because my parents didn't want to name me after either one of my, I'm the oldest. So I got, I got a name that didn't have a family connection. My next brother was named after my paternal grandfather. The brother after that was named after the maternal grandfather. Then it was Kieran, the one I talked about. And then finally on the fifth boy, um, my youngest brother was named after my dad, but not a junior, so they had different, uh, different middle names. My, my mother chose three children, and were, their names were in the top ten baby names of the year they were born. See, that, so there's a lot there. Well, I always knew da- a lot of Toms. Dave, Thomas, Lily. All of, them, yeah. all of them in the top ten when it came out. Oh, now, see, I don't know, I don't know too many. I know, I know a second grader named Lily. I don't know too many Lilies. I know a lot of Toms and and uh, David was that yep, that's your yep. brother's name? Yeah, Toms and Davids I know a lot of, you know. I didn't know a lot of Brian's back when I was a kid, but now I know a lot more Brian's. Well, there's a lot of there's a couple old names coming back too. I mean, I, I have Ebenezer. a well, not, not quite um, Gertrude. I have a niece named Elsie. I thought that that was kind of a rare name when it came out, and yeah. she's got a W initial like me as well, and. Right. She goes to her first day of preschool, and there's another LCW in the class. I mean, stop it! Right? Like, how does that even work? That was a few years ago. Now she's a little bit older, but like, I mean, apparently there's just a lot of old names. Betty's coming back. I know one woman named Betty. She spells it differently, though. She spells it with an I. Oh, okay. So that's unusual. Like, our daughter's name is Molly, and there weren't a lot of Mo- we didn't know a lot of Mollys. We named her. We liked the name. Uh, we had a cousin in Ireland uh, who spelled it with an IE. We spelled it with a Y. But then, as as our daughter got older, I've run into more Mollies, and she's run into some more Mollies. But uh, yeah, I listen. But those are, those are actual names. You're not just making things up, you know. Yeah, we're... I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call my daughter Symposium. We're gonna we're gonna get to. 2030 and it's going to be star child and you know well then it, yeah or they're just going to be symbols or an emoji you know my yeah. daughter poop pile yeah oh, is that, is this that is right? this okay. is winky face jones here <laughs> oh my goodness all right let's take a let's take a little break do a little business and then we'll come back and see what's happening it's wtmj nights on the other side of the news, Tommy has some drive-through window uh, stories he wants to share, and I am always happy to listen to those. We'll get an update on our uh, our band quest that Tommy is uh, he's after Max Sabbath. A lot to do. We want you to get involved. We'll be back after the news after this on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was Dunkin pretty donuts, good. Donuts, you mean? 
Uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's. Yeah. Shout I've heard very Culver's. good things about their fish fry. I, I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ night drive through window one more time. With Brian Noonan. And Tommy Wirtz. It is Friday night. We already talked about beer. We might as well talk about fast food. As uh, Maybe you're at the point. It's 8 o'clock. You're like, mm, I got to get something to eat. Uh, I, this is all Tommy tonight. Tommy, it's all you because I said to you, I, for the first time, I was not uh, finding any, any stories. The only, the only close to fast food story I could find, and I, I I brought it up to my wife. I'm hoping she took the hint. Uh, Lou Malnati's has a limited-time meatball marinara pizza, and it looks delicious. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Yes. So I, I said it to her the other night. I go, oh, look at this uh, from Malnati's. I got this uh, meatball marinara pizza. Or first I said, well, you don't like meatballs, do you? And she said, oh, no, I like meatballs just fine. And I don't think she does. But I said, oh, well, then, look at this. And... Um, so before the show, I was like, well, I'll eat something after. Well, and she said, well, maybe we'll get a pizza. So I'm hoping when the show is over, I'm surprised with a meatball marinara pizza. Well, but. I'm glad you brought up pizza then, because I yes. can use my first story I got for you here, because it's Please related do. to pizza. Um, Papa Murphy's, do they have a lot of Papa Murphy's in Illinois? Uh, no, but I've seen Papa Murphy's. They're the take-and-bake pizza place. Yes, yes. So there's one. Uh, I know for sure on Whitnell Avenue in St. Francis around here, I can't tell you exactly where else it would be. You know, that's my okay. Cudahy brain that just gets sure. me that far into St. Well, Francis. that's where you go. Right. So they actually seasonally bring back um, a Halloween-style pizza, and this is um, a lot of these are Halloween-themed in the stories I have today. It really? is the return of the Jack-O-Lantern Pizza for the 2023 <laughs> Halloween season, yes. Oh, I'm looking at the Jacko Pizza, which is a, a troublesome name. But <laughs> it's um, it's it's the Jack o' Lantern Pizza. It's nothing special, really. It's a pepperoni pizza. Looks like they might put two olives on the pizza, uh, if yep. you're looking at it correctly, for eyes. And it's in the shape of a pumpkin. Uh, I don't know how you cut this pizza, Brian. How do you cut this pizza evenly? Uh, well, you don't. And, and that's, all right, I will answer your question, but I will make this comment. It looks like you're getting ripped off a little bit on the pepperoni. Uh, yes. Because they use it all around the edge and not much on the face. Correct. Uh, I think you got, like for me, I would start at the, um, the stem. I would start in the middle of the stem mm -hmm. and just come straight down. That would give me my my best option of having at least two equal halves. Right, cut it in half from there. Cut it in half from there, and then take each half and and make it into two or well, three. Well, well, I'm a big fan. I know this is a controversial take, but if I make a pizza at home, I, I cut it in squares. I, I don't cut it. I don't cut it in triangles. You go tavern style. Yes. So I just cut it. You know, three or four ways each side. I feel like you get. You know, obviously it's the same amount of pizza, but you're like, oh, I have so many more pieces now. So. I, I like, like, most of the pizza I get is cut that way, mm -hmm. the tavern style. Yeah, it's only uh, 10 bucks, like this pizza, too. So, I mean, it's not like it's oh, a ridiculous okay. price point. Okay. 
Well, I'll get that. I, I at home I cut it in triangles, but I eat I eat it cut in squares. You know, the majority of the time I get pizza. It, it feels a little more. You feel like you're such a big man with such small pieces of pizza. I think so. I I, I prefer it that way. I have another new item on yes. here. Um, unfortunately, unless you are a listener, I guess more south than either of us are, you probably Alabama? won't be able to. Well. Texas is what I was thinking. This one comes from Whataburger. Um, Whataburger is welcoming back a white chocolate raspberry shake. Um, That sounds so dangerous if I could ever get my hands on one of those. Uh, Combination of white chocolate and raspberries. Uh, It's at participating locations chain-wide for a limited time while supplies last. It's a vanilla-based shake that they blend with the white chocolate and raspberry. That sounds amazing. That sounds really good, especially if you get a Whataburger with the uh, green chilies on it. It's a little bit spicy. You get that milkshake to kind of mellow everything out, Mm -hmm. white chocolate with the raspberry. Oh, I've had Whataburger one time when I went to Dallas uh, probably four years ago now. Had it, was... I'm satisfied. I mean, it's fine. You get a much bigger burger for your buck there, and yeah. it's um, you know, it's priced fairly. I think it's a little more expensive, but you do get a bigger burger. So, I I'm a fan, and I remember when Burger King for a limited time had, I believe it was Oreo Red Velvet uh, milkshakes. Those were so good. Really, I'm glad they took them away because I was at Burger King way too much getting those. <laughs> so, white chocolate raspberry shake. <laughs> I, I would love to see another place do it because that sounds amazing. That uh, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one here. These are now the two stories I guess I have from all right more than new releases on items. Brian, a lot of t- a lot of the fast food uh, leans into the Halloween theme and sure. all the festivities that go around. I myself, not really a Halloween guy. Never been big into dressing up. And really. Even when you were a kid? Nah, I, I can't tell you how many times I went as a football player because I just had my pads from the team <laughs> as I was on already. So it was already an easy costume. I'm not creative. I'm too lazy to go walk to everyone's house to get chocolate. I go up Even the block. Even that candy? I, I like being lazy more than I like eating candy. I know. It's crazy wow. to think, but it was never for okay. me. Jack in the Box is celebrating a release of their new Angry Monster Taco and the return of their Monster Taco. Um, and they have teamed up with the writers behind You, Saw, and American Horror Story for the release of the brand's first ever horror short. So they are making a movie to display these, a short movie. Um, it's, on, it's on YouTube. It's called Feeding Time, a tale from uh, Jack in the Box. You can watch the whole video. I, I've, had a t- I've had a chance to screen it a little bit. I haven't watched the whole thing, but apparently there is um, a hidden code that is in these videos. So if you are one of the first 1,000 people to find the hidden code, you can redeem it for two free Monster Tacos <laughs> or Angry Monster Tacos with purchase okay. only in the Jack in the Box app. I don't want to see Jack of the Jack from Jack of the Box go the way that we've already seen uh, Winnie the Pooh <laughs> yeah. this evening and the banana splits. Yes. I don't, 
I don't want that to be the thing. I'm looking at it. I see Jack driving a convertible. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I hope he doesn't turn on anybody or yeah. become a victim. It, it's uh, you know, as far as the tacos, again, Jack in the Box. I don't even know if I've ever had it. Maybe once or twice. I don't really have them around here. I know they had them when I was living out in California, but I, I haven't had it. I don't think so. I just thought it was funny that they, apparently Burger King has done this kind of thing as well too. They've released shorts with the release really? of like. Remember they used to do like the 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 black bun whopper. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So they did a similar release with that too. But now Jack in the Box getting in on that. And I have one more story that. All right, before you go, <laughs> allow me to say this before you go out. And I know I've said this before, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Jack in the Box tacos rule. Really. Because they are not like if you if you're going to Jack in the Box to get a taco, you're not expecting an authentic Taco uh, taco. You know, Sounds you're right. not going to get carne asada. You're not. Gonna, it's it's deep fried. Whatever's in the middle, uh, whatever meat substance is in the middle, with the cheap American cheese and the lettuce and the hot sauce all deep fried together, is a flavor. That is can only be described as heavenly. Oh, okay. It is unbelievable. They used to be two for a buck, which might add to the you know why they were so good. They're fifty cents, but man, oh man, because it's really crisp and hot, and then you get to this pocket of meat substitute with American cheese. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's all I'll say. Because unless you cannot, uh, can't get to it. It, there's there's none around. I introduced my daughter to it a couple years ago on a drive home from California. All right, but Jack in the Box tacos. I I will have to put that on a short list. If you for ever myself. get a chance, you got to try them. Uh, and then my last story, we go to Indiana for this one. Um, right. That great state of Indiana. Uh, fast food workers use customers' money to bail out jail inmates. <laughs> So fast food employees allegedly stole more than $10,000 from customers to bail out inmates in jail. At an Indiana Hardee's, they secretly stole customers' debit cards information in a scheme to bail inmates out of jail, authorities claim. Yes, a LaPorte County, I think it might be LaPorte, County Jail Commander, um, and other employees noticed last month that a large sums of money had been funneled from outside the jail into inmate communication systems accounts um, from sources outside the jail, according to the sheriff's office. The inmates then allegedly bonded out of jail and used the <laughs> remaining funds in their accounts to load onto jail-issued debit cards. So apparently who are going, they hiring at Hardee's <laughs> that they have so many inmates related to them it's it's a lot I guess there's there's a lot going on in Indiana <laughs> it was a whole scheme that they had but I've mixed oh. in all different types of fast food restaurants for you here oh, and no. Hardee's might take the cake for Hardee's. the uh story of the night with that one yeah, that was they uh, take the cake and they take your debit card yeah so make sure I guess oh. I don't know how you prevent this? Maybe paying cash if you're going to fast food because you never know where your money's going then. Oh my God! All right, we have uh, somebody, somebody uh, texted in with regards to one of your stories, Tommy, uh, from the eight one five. Had white chocolate raspberry shake at Whataburger a couple years ago when uh, in Fort Worth at a horse show. Amazing. Yeah. 
Haven't had it, but Wendy's has a pumpkin spice frosty now. Yes, yes, I've heard of that one as well too. I I am glad that the white chocolate raspberry shake gets gets yeah. love because it sounds like it would, for my opinion. I haven't had a good shake in forever. Where's and your I'm go-to watching... if you had a fast food restaurant shake? You'd go to where? Where are you going? Uh, steak and Shake. Ooh, okay, good answer. Steak yeah. and Shake makes a quality, quality shake. Culver's makes a good Culver's shake. Culver's is a good one as well. Yeah, that was Culver's that was mine. Is a good one. Uh, so those would be my two. Uh, I'm still the trailer for this uh, feeding time is still on. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> the monster taco. They're getting into it. Right. Yeah, they're. Oh man. All right. Listen. Thank you, Tommy, for the uh, for the drive-through window stories tonight. You uh, you did a yeoman's job. You came through when all hope was lost. But we must do this now, and then we will be back. It's WTMJ night. Now all this, uh, every time we do the drive through window, I get very hungry. But then my mind turns to other things, and uh, that's... Well, bad news, if you were hoping to see the eclipse tomorrow, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get to see the eclipse tomorrow because the weather is garbage. So it'll be cloudy and rainy and, um, you know... It was going to be the eclipse is set to set. Well, it's still going to happen. We just might not see it. In Milwaukee, you were supposed to be able to start seeing it at 1037 tomorrow morning. Uh, go. It was the entire process was going to take till about noon. We were going to see the sun about forty-one percent covered with the moon. That's not going to happen. Madison, it was going to start at ten thirty and go to about noon again. But um, they were oh, in Madison, the moon was going to block out forty-four percent of the sun. Now we're just going to have to pretend that we're seeing it because it is uh, Mother Nature has screwed us up. But don't worry. April 8th, 2024, that's the big one. That's the total solar eclipse. You, uh, That's the one you want to see. This one, you know, don't uh, don't get too worried that you're not going to get to um, not going to get to see it. Maybe we'll get a break in the clouds. It doesn't sound like it from listening to uh, Wyatt's weather reports, but uh, that's it. Tommy, you didn't have any uh, eclipse glasses ready anyway, did you? You know, I, I feel like these are less and less special every time. You know, I, there's... It just seems what? like we always have these eclipses and supermoons and blue moons and whatnot. Supermoons are supermoons bore me. Supermoons, I agree with you, but an eclipse, these these don't happen very often. Like we had uh, in seventeen, we had the total eclipse, and now we're going to have one in twenty. So that's seven years, and then I don't know when the next one is going to come. And the next one of these, these, uh, what are they? They have a different kind of name. Um, where the moon is far away, they don't happen very often, or they happen, but they don't happen where we can see them. Well, then too much is happening around the moon for me then, because it feels like there's something <laughs> always the going on with the moon. Press? It, the right. moon seems like it seeks attention. Yes. The moon is thirsty. Yes. Out of all the constellations, it's all the, the thirst moon? traps that yes. the moon is putting out with their oh. blood moons and super moons that takes super away from the moons. eclipse for me. And the moon hitting your eye like a big pizza pie. Right. And, oh, we got a man in the moon. REM is singing about him. We all yeah, look up. Talking to the moon. Yeah, cow yep. jumping over it. I mean, the whole yep. thing. The moon is yeah, always right. in the news, it feels like. The moon is a thirst trap. I like how you said that. It's true. The moon is needy. The moon. If the moon was a girl, you'd go too cloying, baby. You mm-hmm. gotta give me some space. Right. It's a clingy. It's a clingy. <laughs> the clingy figure in the sky. Oh, all right. Wow. Well, then you don't want to see it block out the sun because that's just one more thing where the moon is trying to get all the attention. Right. Okay. 
I got you. We won't we won't talk about the eclipse anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to trigger. <laughs> I, I have enough cheese where I live already. I don't, I don't need more from the moon. Wow. I have not. Ne- I got to tell you, Tommy. I've met a lot of people in my life. A lot of people. I've never met somebody with a hot take against the moon. Somebody who was somebody who was bent out of shape because the moon was trying to get all the. Who would have thought I'd keep surprising you too? I mean, you thought you had me figured out, yeah? No, I listen. You are very enigmatic. I have absolutely no idea where you're coming from half Hmm. the time. And this way, you know, this way, again, who takes a stand against the moon? (laughs) People love to sit outside and see. Oh, look up at the moon. Oh, it's a crescent moon. It's a full moon. Look how bright it is in this harvest moon. Everybody loves the moon. I, we go to the moon. We dream about going yeah, back to the moon. I guess. I. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Wow. I don't have the lure to it. I'm, you know, I'm more of like a heat lightning fan, where it just doesn't stop lightning. <laughs> that's okay. that's where I look up in the sky. All Something right. like that. Wow. This is. Um, it's a little bit shocking. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, but we'll move on. We'll, all right. We won't talk about it anymore. No so, more. Sorry if I just ruined the whole segment, but no, it was not a say. It was just you know, I was, it was bad news anyway. You know, Mother Nature is screwing us over. We don't get to see uh, the thirst trap moon is not going to be, we're not going to check it out. It's, it might be the first time anyone's described the moon as a thirst trap, too. So, Well, it is It is in my book, and you get all the credit. When the people at the planetarium come to the station knocking on the window going, hey, you guys the ones who are bad-mouthing the moon? Send them my not way. me. <laughs> Look at that guy. He's the one. I love the moon. <laughs> And then you'll go, you want to see a moon, and boy, it's going to get ugly after that. That's when HR gets involved. Correct. When you start showing the moon. Speaking of moon, uh, moonlighting. How did you like that segue? Mm -hmm. That was good. That was a nice one. Uh, Moonlighting, the big... uh, the big series from the 80s that launched Bruce Willis, made him a huge star, uh, with Sybil Shepard, started streaming the other night on uh, Netflix. No? Hulu. is somewhere. I think it's Hulu. It's Hulu. Um, I remember watching that show when it was on. This is way before your time, Tommy. Uh, it, was a re- it was a good show. So I'll probably watch it again. Uh, now, my wife, who also watched it when it was on in the first runs, said she watched the first episode the other, day, the other day, and she was like, oh, it is so boring. So, I don't know. We'll see. But the point being that the creator of that... Um, Glenn Gordon Carone put out a statement. He, he talked to the New York Post uh, because he had a recent visit with Bruce Willis. And this is, uh, thankfully, in my family, when, when my grandparents and everybody got old, they did not get dementia. You know, because that is, uh, I can't imagine. I have friends whose parents have had it. Um, and grandparents have had it. And it is, it is a horrible thing. And so if you've been following the story of Bruce Willis... You know that he had, um, he was he was diagnosed with one thing, and then his family came out in February and said that you know he did have dementia, and it's have you have you seen any of the more recent Bruce Willis films, Tommy? Oh, uh, gosh, At recent? No, I I know obviously Die Hard's probably the big one. I'm a big fan of Look Who's Talking, but he's not in in the movie. It's just his right, voice. He's the voice. No, I'm talking like movies that were made in 2021, 2022. Oh no, definitely not. They they're all straight to video or straight to streaming. They're they're not good films, but it was he was 
people were hiring him because he's Bruce Willis, so his name could get a movie made. Sure. And but he was he was to the point where he couldn't like all the reports from the sets were that the director would like give him one all right, say this one line, they'd say that line, then okay, say this this line. So as I've watched a couple because they come on late on like, you know, Showtime or HBO and it's like, oh Bruce Willis, all right. And then I look and I go, Oh, this is a recent Bruce Willis. And it's really sad. Um so this guy said that now uh he went to see Bruce Willis the other day to tell him about, you know, moonlighting, streaming and stuff. And um, he said that he's almost, he's not totally verbal anymore. So he's not talking. He's uh, not really recognizing people. It's, it's just sad. And then, you, you know, his wife and kids are giving, are giving updates on him and everything's bad. It's just hard. It's hard if, it's hard because you know we grew up watching him i can't imagine if he was if you have someone in your family who was battling all of that but it uh you know maybe it made me remember all the all the good roles that i've seen bruce willis in and how much uh enjoyment he's brought to me over the years so you know it's uh it's rough but to, to hear that a guy who a guy whose whole public persona was made on being wisecracking, fast-talking, carefree guy. Uh, it shows no matter how much money you have or how much fame you have, you are not immune from horrible diseases. And uh, this is this is a bad one. So, but yeah, do don't I, don't seek out these movies. Seek out older Bruce Willis movies if you want to watch. What's something. the one with him and Tracy Morgan when they're cops? Oh wow, I don't know that one. Oh gosh, he, it's all about the the baseball card, the Andy Pafko baseball card, and he's got a yeah. You know, they they get it stolen from him while he's there. Man, I can't remember the name of it. That that one's a fun time. Who who was uh, who had the baseball card stolen from? Well, Cop Out is the Cop name of that Out. movie. Yes, a 2010 action action uh, film. Yeah, Tracy Morgan, Adam Brody. I don't know any, but Kevin Pollock was in it. So yes, cop out. Uh, Jeff says, I feel sorry for Bruce. Both my parents had severe dementia when they passed away. Sorry to hear about that. His recent movies are pretty bad, so I'm just appreciating his earlier work. My favorites are Striking Distance and Die Hard. Die Hard is fantastic. Striking Distance was the one where he was a, uh, I think it's Baltimore. He was a cop uh, on the a boat cop. Uh, in Baltimore, Sarah Jessica Parker in that one, trying to pass herself off as a cop as well. Not as convincing. Uh, Bruce Willis could play a cop. Sarah Jessica Parker, not so much. Bruce Willis was fantastic. And I don't even think he was credited in this movie. Uh, it was a Paul Newman film called Nobody's Fool. And one, it's one of Paul Newman's last movies. It's a phenomenal film. Bruce Willis plays a like his his nemesis but it's that good-natured kind of nemesis where these guys you know go back and forth at each other um and he was he was just phenomenal in that one so uh that's a non-action role for bruce i do remember do you remember uh, tommy you might not uh, you might not remember this when bruce willis decided he was going to be a musician and uh his album, The Return of Bruno, came out, and he was popping up everywhere playing harmonica and singing. No, I don't. I don't know this yes. stage of oh, Bruce Willis. Yes, that was that was planet that was pre-planet Hollywood Bruce Willis. 
Um, he, uh, I guess, I guess he had been um, a musician or in some bands when he was a struggling actor in New York. Uh, but he, <laughs> what? There were a lot. Listen, there were a lot of, there were a lot of. Uh, actors back in the day who also decided they were going to try their hand at uh, being singers. And um, Bruce Willis was one of them. Uh, somebody's tried to get $53 for the album on eBay. The re to Bruce Willis, The Return of Bruno. I didn't know Bruno had left, but he must have. Um, but yeah, that was... And it's also when Bruce Willis had some hair. So when did this? Uh, it, oh, it's in mint condition. When did this album come out? Nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. So not long after, not long after Moonlighting uh, was over, and um, and the great story about the great story about how he got Die Hard is they offered it to all the big action stars, you know, but the big action stars didn't want it because the John McClane character gets beat up a lot. And he doesn't look like he's going to win. He's, you know, he's worse for wear when he's done. And none of them, like Arnold and Stallone and those guys, they were like, no, we don't, we come in and win. We don't lose, you know? And so finally it got to Bruce Willis and he was like, yeah, and boom. There well, and he go. doesn't even kill like the final villain in that movie. No. So, you know. It was, uh, it was, that's a great story. And I, you know, I thought he was terrific. Uh, the Fifth Element, Taylor says, is one of his favorite movies. Um, and a, a thumbs up or a, a, somebody agreeing with Nobody's Fool was a great movie. Uh, I, yeah, I, well, I love Paul Newman. So, any, like, one of, two of my top five movies are Paul Newman movies The Hustler and Cool Hand Luke. So, you know, I'm a Paul Newman guy through and through. The Verdict, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, The Sting, HUD, love them all. Um, all right, now that we've gone down that road, at least we brought it back. We didn't leave it, at, we didn't leave it in a maudlin place with Bruce, but uh, he, did, uh, he, does bring, he does bring me some joy when I see uh, some of those movies that he was in. All right, let's do this. We'll take a little breaky break, then we'll come back, and we got some more things to talk about. We'll do it after this. WTMJ Nights. Every minute and every hour I miss you, I miss you, I miss oh, you more. Thank you, Tommy. I miss you, too. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. That's how you can get a hold of us. Big news coming out of Minneapolis today. Oh, my gosh, a heist has finally been solved. This is uh, this is big news, big news. If you care at all about the ruby slippers that Judy Garland wore in The Wizard of Oz. Tommy, I know you have some knockoffs that you got at Party City. Uh, they look fantastic, but uh, these were the real deal. So the, a man charged with in the museum heist. I like, the, <laughs> I like that one pair of slippers constitutes a heist. I don't know if that's accurate. But I would say the money value probably constitutes it as a heist, no? Um, How much did they yeah, go for? They had to go for a well, lot if they were going to get sold. Let's find out. I uh, I know I read it in here. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Uh, the slippers were insured for a million dollars. Yeah, that's a heist. Federal prosecutors put the current market value at about $3.5 All right, it's a heist. That's a heist. 
All right. Okay. I you can't correct. you can't work at Hardee's and steal that type of thing. You know what I mean? Well, when I tell you how they were stolen, that may change your mind too. Oh. When I hear heist, I think Ocean's Eleven, the Italian Job. I think the town. Uh, you know, tunnels. Uh, you know things like that. Um, Terry John Martin is seventy six. He pleaded guilty to a single count of theft of major artwork. The shoes were stolen in 2005 from the Judy Garland Museum in the late actor's hometown of Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and recovered by the FBI in 2018. So no one was arrested until Martin was charged this year. Um, All right, Tommy, tell me if this is a heist. He used a hammer to smash the glass on the museum door and the display case for the slippers. Um, I mean, it's a it's a loud heist. It's a loud that's heist. A str- that's just a straight up burglary. Yeah. Okay. It's you know we can we can dicker over the terminology, but you take a if all you do is take a hammer and break some glass, you could be a thirteen year old. I mean, you, you didn't. Did anyone just not think anything of it with this guy walking around with a hammer? Well, I'm sure he did it in the middle of the night. I don't think. It doesn't sound like he how, did how it. How do you get noon. in then? How, you br- use a hammer to break the door. Yes, it's a, he used a hammer to smash the glass of the door oh, and okay. the display case. Okay, all right, then I stand corrected. Yeah, that was, uh, may, maybe he, I gave him too much credit. It, it could be a lunatic with a rock, that's all it is. There was a, He didn't come down on wires like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. He didn't have to go through a late, now granted, I don't know how, you know, how much security is at the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Uh, obviously not enough, but, you know. So uh, he thought he stole them because he thought they were real rubies, and he was going to pop them off the slippers. Uh, they weren't. They're just uh, they're just glass because he took them to try to have them pawned or a fence. Uh, they were just glass, so he got rid of the slippers. They don't know. Uh, they don't know how where they went after that. But um, he's he's not in good health. He's on an oxygen tank. So the federal prosecutor recommended that he not face any time behind bars. Because of his age and his health, uh, he came into court in a wheelchair with supplemental oxygen. Could be a con. He um, so the proposed sentence is going to let him go home uh, to die. But the slippers are back, and I'm going to give it to you, Tom, because you worked so hard. It was a heist. It makes I think the money better. makes it a heist. I think you okay. The value of the the value yeah. of the stolen item. Elevates it to heist, in your opinion? Yeah, that's that's my okay. threshold. Is where you know you you don't heist okay. a fast food restaurant, you rob or you burgle. But right when it gets to that high value in money, I don't know what the threshold is. Maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars. It turns into a heist. Okay. Well, listen, you you make a cogent argument, and I will take it under consideration. That's all you, I want. You've you've backed it up with uh, good reasoning. It's not just some fly-by-night, half, uh, half-baked theory. You gave it some thought, so we'll see. I'll, I'll think about it while we do this on WTMJ Nights. I am not. I'm a little drunk, but I'm not high, not at all. Oh, my goodness. You know my affinity for bears, Tommy. I love black bears, polar bears, brown bears, koala bears. I love them all. Um, if I were to ask you, Tommy, what... Do you think would be the favorite Halloween candy for black bears? What would you uh, What would you guess? Ooh, okay. Um, if I had to guess, for some reason, like Butterfinger came in my mind for a bear. 
You know what? That's a very good guess. It's got the, uh, you know, like the peanut butter. The yellow, kind of like flavor. kind of made honey. Yes. I couldn't think of anything honey like related. If there Bit was of honey. Some... Bit of honey is an old, okay. that's an old person candy yeah. bar. I was just going to say like maybe like one of those like hard candy grandma candies or something has honey in it. All right. That makes sense. Well, you would be wrong, unfortunately, if you were in Vancouver, on Vancouver Island at the Tipton Gas Bar, which is a 92-kilometer drive northwest of Victoria. Security camera footage from the store caught a bear casually walking in at about 6.30 Monday morning, going through racks of chocolate, perusing the candy aisle, and then he finally decided and took a 70-cent pack of gummy bears. Oh, uh, yeah, right? I should have knew that. Come on. Gummy bears. And then he walked off. He just took it and he left. He came in. I've seen the the footage is hilarious because it is like he's shopping. He's walking down the candy aisle going, mm, Nestle's? No. Necco wafers. Those are for parakeets. No. Ooh, gummy bears, which is weird because you would think a bear wouldn't want to eat another bear. But maybe he thought he was rescuing them. Yeah, I was wondering, is this an act of protest, or is it an act, you know, or or is this uh, is is this uh, cannibalism? Which one? Is I'm it? here to free my brothers in yeah. bondage. Yeah, I wonder. You can't keep my brothers in a little bag. Yeah, come on, hair bros, let's go. Free. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Get out of here. Um, no, I guess not, because according to the owner, he went out in the parking lot and he ate him. Mm. Uh, the husband and wife uh, duo who owned the store said the bear didn't appear to be aggressive at all, but the brazen theft from the furry shoplifter certainly left an impression. Uh, the woman said, oh, I thought it was very cool uh, that the bear has a sweet tooth. But now, of course, oh, the government's got to get involved and throw a wet blanket on this. Who doesn't love a story of a bear eating gummy bears at a convenience store? Everybody should. Not the uh, British Columbia Con- Conservation Service. They're saying, listen, there's been a lot of bears and a lot of bear-related complaints. We can't have it. Um, In August alone, there were almost 6,000 calls about black bears. Oh, my God. Uh, That's a lot. That's a lot. That feels like a lot. It does, even in Vancouver, British Columbia. That's a lot of black bears running around. In a month? Yeah. Yes. This, to me, seems like the bears are organizing. Or it's the same bear that's just getting busy. Could be. Just moving around. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've, I've had enough. And then he stops off for a treat. Um, he said, so he said several reasons for the increase, including the weather's impact on the bears' search for food. Yeah, the climate change, you can't get your gummy bears out in the wild. you got to go into the city. got to pack it in. I think a lot of areas of the drought are, has impacted those berry crops and natural food sources. Well, berries and gummy bears, that makes sense. Flavor profile. But uh, they urged people who see any bears to contact them because the animal can become a danger to the public because once, you know this, once bears become used to human food and they aren't afraid of people, they can't be rehabilitated or relocated. So that makes a risk to public safety. Oh, my goodness. And final bear story, or another bear story, uh, Fat Bear Week is over. Do you know what Fat Bear Week is, Tommy? I have an idea, but I'll let you tell me instead. Well, it's, it's all out of Katmai National Park in Alaska. And if you've ever seen the iconic pictures of bears standing at the falls where the salmon are jumping up in their mouths. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's from Katmai National Park. Okay. And so every year they have this thing because you can watch the bears on... I've been watching the bears since uh, July on the uh, 
National Park Service website. Watching the bears, uh, watching them in July when they were very skinny, and as they've been eating and getting fatter and fatter, and so they have uh, they have people judge or or vote, and so we have a brand new winner, and the 2023 winner is a mama bear um, who has successfully raised two litters of cubs, often preemptively can fronts and attacks much larger bears. Her name is 128 Grazer, and we salute her. Um, she blew off her final competitor, 32 Chunk. Uh, she just dominated. She got 108,000 votes. Chunk only got 23,000. So uh, she was first identified as one of the bears dining in Katmai's Brooks River Falls in 2005, and she has worked her way up to become the champion of Fat Bear Week. And yes, we can body shame a bear because they don't care. They're busy eating salmon and then going into town for some gummy bears. Let's do this. We'll start wrapping it up. It's WTMJ Nights. Yes, you are. And we thank you for being here. Let me ask you a question. Does your shower or tub look like the setting of a creepy horror movie? Dingy, moldy, gross, out of date, just plain creepy? Well, then you've got to sign up for the Sidex Creepiest Shower Contest. Take a picture of your nightmare of a bathtub or a shower, upload it to our website on WTMJ.com, and you'll be entered to win a free tub or shower conversion. That's an upgrade of up to $10,000, and it is installed absolutely free. You heard me. No cost to you. So here's how you do it. Text the word SIDEX to the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, to upload that picture and show us your creepy shower space. Submissions are open until October 27th, so get entered to finally fix up your creepy shower space. There you go. you got to have a nice shower. You don't want to be creepy. Uh, we're get, you get Any big plans this weekend, Tommy? We got work. Work is work. Work is good. You know, you're a hard-working young man. I will be, uh, yeah, what am I, I don't know. I, I, I got breakfast breakfast with the fam on Sunday. No Packer game, too, so that's yep, that's the exactly. other thing. Very nice. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Probably, probably not much. But uh, we'll be back here. We'll be back here Monday. I'll tell you that much at 6 o'clock, so we hope you will join us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show. Tommy, thank you for all the work tonight. It was a pleasure, as always. Uh, on the other side of the news, it is, of course, the Dave Ramsey Show. Have a great weekend. Try to stay warm. Try to stay dry. And I will talk to you again on Monday night. Take care. It's WTMJ.